so thankful for the stories that God is writing here and the, the way he is shaping us and molding us um, as a new church. And um, it's been really good. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to start off today. Um, and we won't be there long, but, but we do need to start off there. Um, a few weeks ago, we kicked off this series called We Can't Stay Here. And, and when we say that, we, we don't mean our physical location. Um, but, but really, um, we, what we've just tried to do is just say, hey, we are so excited and thankful um, over the last really 10 months, um, all that God has done and all that he's doing here in our church here in uh, the foothills. And, and we're so, we're, we want to celebrate those things and we want to be excited about those things. But, but, but at the same time, we don't think we're finished yet. Um, we, we don't want to be satisfied with, with where we are because we believe that there are more people that need to hear the good news of Jesus. We believe that, that there's more of Christ for us in the room to have. And so we can't stay here. So we can't stay here. And so what we said is we, we just try to bring clarity to our mission and vision as a church, trying to be, be clear, okay, this is who we are and what we are about um, and so, so what we said a couple weeks ago is, hey, our mission is helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. This is, this is why we exist. Um, this, we believe this encompasses a lot of scripture. And, and we, so we believe that we are here to help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Um, what, why don't we say it together? Can we say it together uh, as a church? Okay, can we try it? I don't know if this is going to be bad, but that's okay. Um, so, so I'm going to say we exist, and then we're going to say helping people. Okay, can we do it? Okay, we exist helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. And you guys are all stars. That was, that was incredible. Way to go. Um, and so, so we, we said this is, what we, this is what we believe God has called us to do, um, we, that, that all people, we want to help all people discover. We want to help all people deepen their relationship with Jesus. And why do we want to do that? Well, ultimately, so we want to do that because we want to flip the script here in the foothills. We, we want to flip the script here in the foothills in the next generation. That over the next 30 or so years, however God allows, um, uh, allows us to pursue this route, we want to see the foothills go from um, largely unchurched to mostly church. We want to see things be trans people be transformed by the good news of Jesus. We want to see people deepen their relationship with Jesus. We, we want it all to be about him. And we want to passionately pursue that to that end. And so, well, so, th so that was really all we did in week one. And, th and then the last week, we began to say, well, how are we going to do this? How, how are we going to flip the script in the foothills? What, what does this actually mean? What does this actually look like? Well, we believe that because we have been adopted into the family of God, because of Christ, that, 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 that we have been adopted. So now we believe that we are family. We're not like family. We are family as brothers and sisters in Christ. And because we are family, we now love like family. We now love like family, which, which means we, we forgive quickly. We, we are slow to anger. We are patient with one another. We, we said in John 13, 35, that, that, that as a church, that we should be known not because of our church attendance, not because we pray, not because we read our Bibles, not, not because we wear a cross around our neck, not because we pray before meals, but we should be known as followers of Jesus because of our love. This is what Jesus says in John 13, 35. 
He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so we are to love one another. And if we love one another, I believe that is the, that, that we begin to flip the script here in the foothills because we give the world a different viewpoint of what it means to live life. We give people a different viewpoint of what it means to live life. And we just simply said that we cannot say we love God and not love people. As Mark chapter 12, the great commandment is, is that we would love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And these two are inseparable from one another. In fact, John says in 1 John chapter 4 that if you say you love God but hate your brother, you are a liar. And so we, we, we can't say that we love God and not love people. And so, so we, that's what we said. If we're going to flip the script in the foothills, we have to understand that we are family and we love like family. And that brings us to today because, because today is, we, we can't, like, that, that's not all encompassing. It's going to require other things as well. And so, so but we, not only must we love people, not only are we family, but we also believe because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, we are servants. This is, this is the, 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 the next thing that we must understand and must believe our identity as servants of Jesus. So let me pray. Then we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start unpacking some biblical historical ideas that hopefully help you understand and, and, and hopefully motivate us to live our identity as servants. So Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. Jesus, I, I, I am so thankful for the story that you're writing here as a church, as a people. But, but beyond that, I, th there are individuals in this room whose story you are, you are transforming day in and day out. And so, so I pray, Lord, and I ask that, that over the next few moments that, that you would help me to get out of the way and your word would be clear your calling on our life would be compelling and that we would submit ourselves to you wholeheartedly because Jesus, we can't do this without you. We need more and more of you. So bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. John, or not John, we've been, we were in John a lot this year. Uh, Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 26, here's what I want you to hear today it says then God said let us make human beings in our image to be like us they will reign for over the fish of the sea the birds of the sky the livestock all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground so God created human beings in his own image in the image of God he created them Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. That scurry along the ground. So what we have here, um, and what we see here, is, is what theologians would call the Imago Dei. Look to your neighbor and say, Imago Dei. Man, you guys are on top of it this morning. I love it. Um, <clears throat> so, so this is what theologians would call the Imago Dei, meaning, 
meaning the image of God, okay? So, so, so what we see happening here in Genesis chapter 1 is God is, is creating, okay? Um, <clears throat> he's creating everything out of nothing. He simply says, hey, I want to separate light from darkness, and he does it, and then he says it is good. He, he says, hey, I want birds in the sky, I want fish in the sea, I want animals on the land. There they are, and then he declares that it is good. But then he breaks the rhythm here in verse 26. He breaks the rhythm that we, we see in the rest of chapter 1. And there's almost this, this conversation that, that, that is happening here. Um, and because it, it says this, it says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. There's this conversation happening within the Godhead, within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what we would call the Trinity. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God that exists eternally in three persons, okay? And we don't have time for that today, but just, just know, as hard as it is to wrap our heads around that, that that is what is happening here. And in this conversation, out of their unity, out of their perfection, out of their joy. They say, let us make men and women, all of human beings, in our image. Let us stamp them with our likeness. Let, let, let us make them in our image. And out of that perfect, perfection, joy, unity, and they, this creation... In the vastness of all of everything else that God has created, the vastness of the universe, the expanses of the, 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 the seas, the, out of all of that, on, on this small little planet, in the, one of the smaller solar systems in the universe, God places his crown jewel of all his creation. Humans, me and you, mankind. That, that, that when God says that he made us in his image, that he stamped us with his likeness, he automatically gives incredible intrinsic value above all the rest of creation to humans. More, more than any animal, I know your dog's cute, but, but you are more valuable than your dog, right? And I know that that can be offensive in Colorado, right? Like, <laughs> But, but you are more valuable than any animal. You are more valuable than anything else because we have been made in the image of God. And as because we've been made in the image of God, he also gave us responsibility with that. He, he gave us responsibility as his vice roys, as his vice regents. And I know that that's a weird word um, that we don't use every day, but, but it's, it's an important word for us to understand because it means that he has given us, um, uh, he has given us dominion, he has given us authority, he has given us rule and reign over the rest of creation. That, that as his uh, representatives, as his vice regents, as his vice words, like we are God's representation here on earth to demonstrate to all the rest of creation what he is like. That we in our image bearing, we show the world what he is like. That this is what God has given Adam and Eve here in this original creation. 
that he placed them with dominion over all things. I mean, it's, it's the idea um, in the ancient Near East, okay? In the ancient Near East, when, when a king would rule over a distant land in which he would not be seen, he would send a, a, an image of some kind of himself so that it would be very clear that it, he is the one who ruled and reigned over that land. And in the same way, you and I, we are that image of God to demonstrate his rule and his reign over the earth. But the problem is Genesis 3. The problem is Genesis 3, that that, that things did not go as was originally planned and intended by God. That, that, That Satan came into the picture. And he deceived Adam and Eve. He deceived them. And, and in so doing, he got them to hand over their God-given authority, their God-given uh, a, a rule over the creation to him. He got them to, to give over that to him. In exchange for, for, for giving the, their rule over God's creation, over the world, they Instead of being able to fill the earth and multiply and, 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 and expand God's uh, name to everywhere, instead of doing that, they exchange that for, for being slaves to sin, slaves to the enemy. This is Genesis 3. And all humanity from Genesis 3 forward was born into this reality, slavery to sin and Satan. And since then, Everything has not functioned as it was intended to function. Like, like every single day we experience the brokenness that is a result of Genesis 3. We, we experience the brokenness in our relationships. We experience the brokenness in our families. We, we experience uh, dads without, or kids without dads and moms Hatred is expressed towards one another through slander, gossip, and murder. Selfishness rules and reigns, which leads to greed, poverty, all kinds of abuse, every injustice. All of these things are are a result of what happened in Genesis 3, of, of mankind giving up their right to rule in the image of God on earth. Brokenness has ensued, and it, and it hasn't been good since. In the beautiful world that God created for his glory and for our enjoyment, for us to rule and reign as his image bearers, have been destroyed through the brokenness of humanity's sin. And I'm so thankful that the story doesn't end there, though. That there is hope in the brokenness. That God sends his only son, Jesus. He sends his only son, Jesus, um, to to begin to right the wrong, to to begin to bring restoration, to bring healing. He sends Jesus, um, and Jesus comes in the form of a human, the son of God, who was reigning and ruling with God. He then comes to this earth 2,000 years ago in the form of an infant, like you and me. And he, he reigns and he rules as the new kind of king now. Like he, like, like he comes to this earth, right? And, and Jesus is different than, than others, right? Like, like, uh, like if you ever, I think it's in, in Luke somewhere. Luke, uh, when Jesus is 12 years old, his parents go on this trip to Jerusalem. They lose him. 
which, which, by the way, have you ever thought about that? Like, have you ever, anybody ever lost a kid before? Like, yeah, I've lost a kid at JCPenney's one time. It's great. Um, and, and, but there's this moment of panic, right? But, but can you imagine Mary and Joseph? Like, when they lost Jesus, they can't find him anywhere, and there's a, there's a moment where they probably pray, and they're like, God, you know that only begotten son that you have? Do you happen to have another? Because um, we lost him. Um, imagine that prayer, how that went, that feeling. Um, but they find Jesus, right? And he's 12 years old, and he's in the temple, and he's, he's, he's in conversation with the, the, the religious leaders, with the, um, with the priests, and he's instructing them about the ways of God, and they are astonished at, his, at him. And then he comes to this point several years later. He's at the beginning of his ministry, and he walks into his hometown synagogue, and they ask him to read. And he picks from the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, if you, want to, if you wanted to look there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he closes up the scroll, he sits down, and he says, and he says this. He goes, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is what Jesus has just proclaimed about him. He says, listen, I am a new kind of king. I, I am here to establish a new kind of kingdom. I'm here to, to, to bring to life what was originally meant to be. That, that, that those who are poor, those who are oppressed, those who are captives, I'm here to declare a new reign and rule. And Jesus comes as a new king. He comes as a new king, a new Adam, sent to establish God's rule and reign over all the earth. Jesus didn't come like other rulers and kings that we think of. Like when we think of kings throughout history, um, kings and other rulers throughout history, they need what others have. They need what others have. That's why we have taxes, right? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> they need authority, and so they try and grasp at it. They try and grab a hold of it. They need they try and take it by force. Kings of this world need land, and so they go to war. They, they need armies to fight to get the land, and so those come at a cost, right? Um, they, they persuade rich people to give funds to their wars, and now they're in debt to the rich people. Um, they tax the poor um, in order to pay for their wars, and they need more authority. They need more land, armies, and money, and much, much more. But Jesus comes as a new kind of king. Jesus comes as a new kind of king. He's exactly opposite. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, this is what Jesus says. He says, I did not come to be served. I did not come to be served. But, but I came to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come so, so that we could give him something, so that we could add something to his rule, so that we could add something to his lordship, so that we could add something to his kingship. No, he doesn't need us at all. He didn't come so that we could serve him. We, he came so that he could serve us. This is what Philippians chapter 2 
is, is talking about in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Died a criminal's death on the cross. That Jesus, even though he was God, do not count equality with God, a thing to grasp, a thing to cling to. It's not what he did. Jesus refused to grasp for the authority that was rightly his. So that we, he didn't grab for that. Instead, he grabbed, sorry, Jesus didn't try and grab the authority that was rightly his, like we do, like kings of this world do. He, he didn't try and grab that authority. Instead, he laid down his authority so that you and I might be forgiven. He humbles himself, taking on the form of a servant so that we might be set free. You see, Jesus is a king, but he has the posture of a servant. Jesus is a king, but his posture is that of a servant. Jesus doesn't show up and say, I need what you have to give me. He didn't show up and say, I need what you got, but rather, you need me to give you what I have. You don't have land? Well, guess what? I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You're poor? Guess what? I'm rich. And I'm going to become poor so that in my poverty, you can become rich. You're entrapped to, and in slavery to sin, so I'm going to go to prison and in the chains of sin and death so that you can be set free from sin and death. I'm going to give you what you don't have so you can live in a way you never could have without me. This is what Jesus has done. He, come, he is a king, but he comes in the posture of a servant. We see this in John chapter 13. We don't have to go there, but, but in John chapter 13, what does Jesus do for his disciples? He takes on this lowly form of a servant, right? And he washes his disciples' feet. He, the, the, the worst, most miserable job on the planet, washing all kinds of crap off of the disciples' feet. This is what Jesus does, and he says, as I have done, now you do likewise. This is what Jesus has done for you and for me. And when we come to Jesus and we, we place our faith in him for salvation, we are transferred from the kingdom of brokenness, the kingdom of sin, the kingdom of our enemy, and we are transferred into the kingdom of light. We are given a new identity. We are given a new purpose. Not, no, no, our purpose is no longer okay. I need to get all that I can while I'm here. I need to make myself happy. I need to please myself. But, but no, our purpose is now, now because of what Jesus has done for us, he now wants to do it through us. It's what we've said since week one. What Jesus has done for us, he now wants to do through us. That, that he comes as a servant and serves us so that we can be set free, and now we go to others as servants as well. And when we do that, when we go and we serve the least of these, when we go and we, we serve other people, we point forward to a kingdom that is better than the one we currently live in.
We give people a taste of what the kingdom of God will be like. And so that leads us to the question, where in our world are people currently not getting to experience the life of Jesus' kingdom? Where in our world are people not currently experiencing the the life of Jesus' kingdom? And what would it look like if Jesus brought about his rule and reign through us? What What would we do if we really believed that we were servants of Jesus the King, and when we serve him, we serve others? You can go to Matthew chapter 25, and, and, G, and, and people, in, in Matthew 25, it talks about how when we serve the least of these, it's like we're serving Jesus. So where in our world do we need to serve like Jesus? I think this happened this last week. Um, one of our community groups, they, they, they believed, okay, that we are servants, and they, they, they donated different items, they put together different baskets, and with the help of Miss Charlotte, they took these baskets to different widows and, and other, pe- other, other elderly people in our community that may be uh, shut in to home and whatnot, and they took them and they just blessed. They just blessed different people throughout our community this week by taking these Valentine's baskets to widows and to others and just saying, hey, we love you, we're here for you, we care about you, you're not forgotten. This is, this is what it looks like to be servants of the Most High King. This, this is what it looks like to serve Jesus, is to see those in need and go towards the mess. This is what we do. We, 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 we look for opportunities. This is what we do when we, we move towards the messy things in life. As Jesus' servants, we look around and we see where things are not as they ought to be. Like, like where, where in our world are things not as they should be? If, if things were as they were intended to be back in Genesis 1, where are those places in our world that we can run to? Where are those messy circumstances and challenges that we can go to? And we can say, listen, we're here to serve so that you can taste and see that the Lord is good. You can experience what Jesus' kingdom is like. Because if we rule and reign as Jesus' image bearers, then we see all people as his image bearers. From, from conception to the grave. All people intrinsically valuable to God. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, and we run towards those places. This is what we do. And so, so how does this look for you? Right? Like, how, how does this look for your life? How does this look in your world where, where God has strategically placed you at this time? What does this look like for your community group? What, what, what does this look like for us as a church? I, I think it can look so many different ways for so many different ones, uh, for so many different ones of us, but. But, but here, here, I was thinking back about this this week, and, and I remember a few months ago, I got to have a conversation with my dad, and um, my, my dad's dad, my grandpa, died when my, my dad was nine, okay? Um, and, and my dad is just an incredible dad. I'm so, so thankful for, for him, and so thankful for, for him and my mom, and just them pointing us to Jesus over and over again growing up. 
But, but I remember I was in the car with my dad. It was right after my grandma's funeral. And, and I remember just, I said, Dad, you know, how did you become such a good dad? I mean, your dad passed away when you were nine. Like, I know, I know, I know grandma got remarried, but, but he wasn't really around all that much because of, of his job. And, and so, so, so where, where did you learn to be a good dad? Where did you learn to be such a, a godly man? Where, where did you get that from? And he said, well, well a few different places. And, and he, said, he, said he, he said when he was a kid, it started off in his neighborhood. You know, his, in his neighborhood, there, there, he had some friends that, that he would go over and to their house and he'd play. And um, he said that the, the, their dads would come out and, and they would just play basketball with us in the driveway. And they would just be present. You know, when we, when we would go to, to, when we needed to go to baseball practice, um, their dad would take us to baseball practice. They, 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 he would just be, their, their dads would just be involved. In fact, one family said that they would take me on vacation with them. They, they would just invite me to come along on vacation with their family. And, and, and then he began to talk about, as he grew and as he got older, he said there were just men in the church that invested in his life. There were just men that were, that were further down the road in life than he was that just took him under their wing and just began to say, hey, I love you, I'm here for you, I'm, I'm here to help you. And, and, and they were just, just true mentors and friends for him. And so it was, it was, it was, it was, it was the men in his neighborhood and, and it was the men at church that just poured into his life. And I thought, what a powerful picture this is. What, what, what a powerful picture of what the kingdom of God will be like, where even the fatherless get fathered. Where those without mentors have mentors. Where those that, that, that maybe not have strong uh, role models in their life have role models that step in and fill the gap. I thought, what a powerful picture of the kingdom of God. And the reality is, is that we, in this church, we cannot be consumers. This church cannot be filled with people who are just like, okay, feed me, help me, make much of me. No, we have to be servants. We have to, if we're going to flip the script of the foothills, not only must we love like family, but, but we also have to serve because we have been served with incredibly high price. That we cannot just simply come in here week in and week out and just simply Give, give me, feed me, make this about me. No, you have to start thinking otherly. And how can you pour out the gifts and the abilities and the strengths and the weaknesses and all that God has formed you and is making you and is continuing to form you and make you, and how can you use that to advance the name of Jesus to everyone everywhere? In this church and outside this church, what does that look like? Well, we got we to... Uh, a testimony for, from a family in our church who I believe are, are, are using, and there's many of you, there's so many of you serving so faithfully, thank you. A testimony of, of our family in our church who believes that, that they are servants. And so, why don't you check this out? Hi, we're the Slifes. And this is my wife, Jordan, and this is Malachi, and this is Gunnar. I think it's been really encouraging to see uh, my children come into church and just be so excited uh, to run downstairs, get checked in, and see all their friends, and to really learn about Jesus. I love that this place is beautiful, and where mom sings, 
I love how, how good she sings and and I'm an, in Malachi on the stage downstairs and he, I, I'm in, in learning about the Bible and and having videos and singing downstairs and singing up here and and having worship together. We, that's that's all it. It's been an encouraging factor with Malachi getting to uh, get baptized and me being able to baptize him. It's almost encouraged me to uh, to want to baptize more people and uh, to really reach out and uh, and and be a be a good example in my own life, um, especially for my boys. And it shows me the importance. Um, uh, the way I live my life is going to encourage them uh, to follow the Lord, uh, to really love Him and live for Him day in and day out. When I think of service and serving others, I think of uh, the Bible verse and it says that uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the labor laborers are few. And I think it's just important, especially where we live. Um, there's so many unreached people. Um, it just, it's a huge opportunity for us to get out in the community um, and uh, impact others um, and maybe not just in the, in the doors of the church, but it's an outreach uh, for other people in the community who need help. And uh, maybe that that would encourage them to see uh, the love of the Lord in our lives and uh, that they would be uh, witness to and, uh, and come join us. Being a servant to me means that you're sacrificing your own wants and desires for the good of the Lord. Um, you're taking time to glorify Him with what you're doing. You're loving others in that you um, are, are, are trying to do things for them and be nice to everyone you meet. So I serve on the finance team. That's what I do. And Jordan? I serve on the praise team. Um, and we also um, take our food truck here and do food truck fellowship together. I just really love the sense of community that we've built here. Um, we've definitely gotten to know everyone better and I love serving on the praise team. I love all the people involved in it. And it's cool to see God working through the foothills, through everybody here at the church. We were able to come together, uh, and basically start a brand new church in a way. Um, to really glorify God again in the foothills um, and really just work together to reach people who may not have ever thought about attending church and to see the activity and um, God's work in the community and maybe they'll be, uh, be encouraged to just come and join us um, with no pressure and to just see what loving the Lord's all about and that where everybody gets joins in to serve and, uh, and pitch in. Uh, to just glorify God on all we do. Uh, they, they, they serve in so many more ways than they share. Um, not, not just within this church, but, but outside these walls. Um, like the, the amount of places that Hunter, like Hunter sees his business selling hot dogs. He, he, he loves to joke about it. He's a hot dog salesman. Um, it, he, he, I, I love his heart that, that, that his business isn't about him making money. I mean, it's, it's part of it, right? But it's about how can he serve the community? How can he serve his workers? How can he serve the people that God has placed around him with his business? And, and, and he sees that as an opportunity to serve. And, and, and so, so, with the question we, so we come back to the question, how is God called you to serve? Like, and you, th you may think, hey, well, I don't have any special abilities. I, I'm not uh, especially good at anything. I, I doubt, like, 
Like, you don't want me singing, playing piano. Titus is great that he got up here and did it today. But, but the rest of, like, I, like, you don't want me doing that. But here's what, I, here's what I know and here's what I believe, okay? I think scripture is very clear that if you've put your faith in Jesus, he's placed the spirit of God within you. And that spirit has gifted you to serve the church and serve the least of these in special ways. Like he has given you everything you need to serve the people that are around you. He's equipped you and he's given you all that you need in him to do this. And so here's, here's what I just say, man. There are ways that you can get involved serving here at church. Like, like, I, like I don't know that you ever get to a point in church where you're like, no, we're good on volunteers, right? Like I don't think that ever happens. But, but, but I just want to be honest. Like there are children downstairs that gather every single week that need men and women to pour their lives into them. And we have an incredible team that served down there already. But we need more. We, we, we need, and, I, and this is just a side note, and I think I've said this before, but, but I just, I feel very passionate about this. Like, like men, let's not punt that to the women, okay? Like, I, I, I believe that we need godly men investing in the next generation downstairs, it can't just be, it can't just be the, the women that are doing that, okay? Like, like God is, like, like some of the most godly men in my life were my Sunday school teachers growing up. And so I just, I just encourage you in that way. There are opportunities in kids' ministry. Some of you have musical abilities. And, and, and let me just tell you, we can, would love to add you to the worship team. You can play piano. You can play guitar. You can, like, he would love to, to, to get more people involved in worship ministry. We have people who are gifted in the back booth, right? Like when things go wrong, that's when we pay attention to them, right? Um, but, but to be honest, they work incredibly hard week in and week out. We need more people to help run soundboard, to help run the slides, right? And, and I promise we won't be mad at you if it goes wrong because it, it's probably not your fault. We need help around this facility. Like you come in here on Sunday and it's clean, right? Well, well, there's a group of people that come and clean the building every week. There's, come, there's people that come and vacuum up all the flies, right? <laughs> right? Like it happens. Because we want to create a safe, warm environment for, for everybody who walks through the doors. And so we need more people to serve in facilities, right? Like, like we, we want more people to serve on our welcome team so that every single person who pulls in the parking lot can feel welcome and feel at home here. And there, are, oh, there are ways beyond these that you can get involved. And so here's what I would just say. If you're interested in learning more about one of those, you have a next step card. There's opportunities on that. You can just check one. And we'll, I promise you, whoever's in charge of that ministry will connect with you about that. And you, listen, just because you check that doesn't mean you're signing up for life, okay? You can just say, hey, I just, want to, I just want information. Just send me the pamphlet, right? We would love to have that conversation with you. But there's not just opportunities inside our church. There's opportunities outside of these walls. There are opportunities outside of these walls to take the kingdom of God to those who are in need. There are opportunities every single day. Maybe for some of you, maybe that looks like you, you, you need to get involved in coaching a, a kid's sports team so that you can invest in the next generation in that way. Maybe for others, it, 
It looks like, hey, I'm going to go be a tutor at a, a local school because there's kids that, 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 are, that are not doing well in their reading. And so I'm going to help kids learn how to read. And I'm going to invest myself and serve in that way. And we could go down the list and we can name every opportunity under the sun that there is, right? But, but there are opportunities all over this. In fact, last night I heard about a commun- another commun- one of our community groups, and, and they're, they're trying to figure out how they can get involved in serving at, at a local uh, place that, that helps those who are struggling with alcohol addiction and other things like that, how we can serve them better as a church and how they, their community group can serve. And I think that's incredible. Because people, we, we, we are seeing where things are not as they ought to be, and we're running there with the good news of Jesus. Because everywhere Jesus' people are engaged in things like this, stepping into the messy places in our communities, looking around and seeing where things are not as they ought to be, it's in these places that we serve our one true king. And in these places that other people get a taste of what the kingdom of God is like. We are servants. So look around you. I mean, not really right now, but and you can if you want, but where God has placed you strategically, God didn't put you there on accident. Consider where God has placed you with others. And what does it look like to take the kingdom of Jesus there? What, what does it look like to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, for the broken, and hurting to be brought back to health, the disconnected included in families, the captives set free. What does that look like where you are? If we're going to flip the script here in the foothills, we must embrace our identity as servants. We must embrace our identity as servants. Here's the, here's the graph, right? Helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus, we must understand that we are family and that we are servants. We'll get to part three next week, but, but it's not any one of these one things, right? If we're, if we're just serving people, that's philanthropy, right? Like, like if we're doing it outside of Jesus, if we're, we're doing it outside of Jesus and outside of loving people like Jesus, then it's just philanthropy. It's not actually discipleship. It's not actually helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. And so we have to do this. And so... As I begin to think, okay, what would this look like? How, what's a good picture of this? Um, I want you to flip with me to Acts chapter 2 real quick as I wrap up here today. Acts chapter 2. And I think, I think this is what it's supposed to look like. I think it's what it's supposed to look like when we are family and we are servants. Verse 43 of Acts chapter 2, it says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, all the believers that were gathered together. And the apostles performed many miracles, miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is how we help people taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I wanted to do this today. We have a very practical opportunity in front of us to be servants today. And so if some of you remember, I'm going to invite Evan and Nicole to come up. Um, Evan's spoken for us a couple times, and, and they're, 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 they're pretty all right people. Um, go ahead and come on up, guys. Um, and so, so I'm just going to have them share some of their story and the journey that God has had them on uh, for the last uh, year or two. And, and then, and then I'm going to ask us to participate in what God is doing in and through them. Yeah, Marcus usually invites me to preach on the really hard stuff. Um, I was just joking. <laughs> um, but, Ken, but, what, but what Ken said earlier is, is totally correct. What you guys have is such a high caliber. It's incredible. Marcus is great. This place is a wonderful place to serve. And um, just a little bit about us. We, um, we were planning on being missionaries a long time ago. Um, and we just wanted to go. We wanted to go to messy places and love on people and do what we could. Um, but those doors got closed. And so we thought, where can we go that's a huge need and really messy? So we moved to Pueblo. And... Um, <laughs> And, uh, and we love Pueblo. It's a wonderful place. And so we, we, I was a youth pastor there, and Nicole served at the church there, and we, just, we wanted to just love people. And one of the big things we saw there was, was uh, a big need was foster care. And so real early on in our relationship being newlyweds, we chose to begin fostering, and we wanted to foster to adopt. And so we had many little kiddos um, come into our home, and it was a journey. <laughs> um, this was before we had our own kids, too, and so we kind of just skipped all the cute fun parts and, um, and just dove right in, but we just fell in love with um, the needs of just kids in Pueblo and all over, and then we, we moved uh, here, or yeah, we moved to Arvada, and again, the Lord had just really just put on our hearts um, adoption and, and foster care, and a lot of the kids that we had in Pueblo, we were promised to be able to adopt, and um, that was really, really sad, um, getting the rug pulled out from underneath us a couple of times, and then we started to choose to look at international adoption, and unfortunately, <laughs> even though we did a lot of vetting and a lot of research, the place that we had, the, the what's it called? The agency, thank you. The agency that we tried to adopt through um, turned out to be um, doing really dumb things with money, and so we lost a lot of our money. And they're under a lot of they're under a lot of um, investigations from um, government. And so we, after about eight years, we had been trying to adopt for so long, and we finally were like, "Is this even for us? We don't even know. Like, apparently, we've tried for so long, we don't even know if this is." the right thing we're supposed to be doing, until um, last August, um, we just kept, we, I don't know, we just kept pursuing it, and some of our friends were adopting from Malawi, and, um, and so we pursued that, and so we got paired, I think we have a picture, we got paired with her. Um, this is Vanessa, she's 10 years old, and in one month, we're gonna be going to be picking her up. <laughs> And so, I know, we're just, we're psyched. And so, in not too long, you'll probably see her running around with your kids. And, um, and we're just, it's, it's just really unreal. The Lord has, has 
been providing and been so wonderful, and we're terrified. <laughs> um, we, we'll have to be, I'll have to be in country for six, six weeks um, just because of some legal stuff and what they require there, and, and so we're psyched, we're terrified, and, um, and that's our story is, is us just trying to go into messy places. So I really, thanks, Marcus, for allowing us to share. This is just great. So, yeah, so... So here, I stay up here for a second here. Um, there's a table here. So, um, but, so, so here's here's what I my heart was burdened for them um, as as they shared. Um, so so they they found out about a month ago that that they were short some of their funds um, to to bring Vanessa home, um, and and I thought, man. We believe James one twenty seven is true, right? That pure and undefiled religion or worship before God is taking care of the orphans and the widows and keeping oneself unstained from the world. And so, so because we believe that, um, I thought, man, what a practical way for our church to serve a family and to serve a little girl who needs a family. And so, so I just thought, man, today what I want us to do is I want you to pray and consider what would it look like for you to partner with them um, uh, and help them get there. And so we're gonna take up a special offering here at the end of this next song. So I want you to take a few moments. I just want you to pray. Okay, what, 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 would, it, what would God be leading you? How, how, how could you be generous? Um, and, and so we're gonna, we're gonna take up an offering. And so all 100% of all the offering we take up as we pass the buckets down your way here in a minute, 100% of that is gonna go to help bring Vanessa home. And God loves... God loves Vanessa because she's been marked in his image. And things there are not as they ought to be. And so we get to go there and be a part of this story. And so, so we're gonna pass the bucket. But if you're like, hey, I don't have any cash on me, that's fine, okay? We're gonna put a QR code up on the screen. They have a GoFundMe page that we can also participate in. And so... So, so we're just, I just want you to pray and just begin, and just over the next song, I want you to ask God, what could he be leading you to do in this? And then whatever it is, praise God. Trust him in it, um, and, and as, as the buckets pass, that's great. Um, and like I say, just, I just want you to stay seated for a moment and just, just ask God, okay, what, what, what do you want me to do? How can I be a servant? Okay, let me pray for us, and then, then we'll... Uh, We'll sing. Jesus, I, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for just, Lord, I, just over the, the last 10 months, how I've seen them become so generous as a family. Lord, Lord, just the generosity that exists here is incredible, and I'm so thankful to be a part of, of, of a generous church. And I, I just pray, Lord, that for Evan and Nicole and, and their two boys and, and Vanessa, I pray, Lord, that that you would provide everything they need. Lord, I've seen this in my own life, how, how you have provided everything we need. I pray, Lord, that, that, that you would give Nicole and Evan just the wisdom of navigating bringing a 10-year-old girl into their home, um, the challenges that will come with that, no doubt. I pray, Lord, that you would empower them and encourage them as mom and dad. Help them to, to, to love their family well. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them in their travels, protect them while they're in Malawi, protect them while, the, while they're there. I pray, Lord, that you would um, 
that you would guard them from the spiritual warfare that's gonna happen because the enemy does not want this to happen. The enemy hates adoption because it's such a beautiful picture of what you've done for us. Lord, help us to believe in our new identity that we are family, we are servants, and we are your church. May we live for you today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to respond. A thousand generations